0: Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris here, the voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer there. Mark, how was your how was your Mother's Day weekend?
1: Well, I did all the requirements, Johnny, and that's that's what it is. When you have the mother of your children living yes. with you, you must make sure the children take care of her. Yes, which is what I did. That's My five year old wanted to quote make breakfast, which uh, <laughs> Which meant that there were eggs on the floor and uh, egg <laughs> shells all over the, you know. But I helped rectify that situation,
0: and uh, we got the job done ultimately. Oh man, there's no telling with it when my son was five years old. What would have ended up in that that breakfast? Mm-hmm. Uh, would it it would have gotten ugly. It would have been like fruity pebble eggs with. You know, ice cream nacho breakfast <laughs> chips or something. It would, been, yeah. it would have been ridiculous. It's a dream but.
1: breakfast. That's what that is.
0: <laughs> yeah, in their five-year-old world, yeah. now you look back and go, wow. But uh, we wish all the mothers out there happy Mother's Day on Friday, and hopefully you guys had great weekends uh, to speak of. Mark, there is a ton going on that I, I want to hit hit with you. I'll start with Rookie camp because obviously people want to – Want to know what's going on with the Texans. And we obviously weren't able to see a whole heck of a lot. We were kind of on the regular season practice schedule right. sort of thing. It was not like last year where we wanted to see every single rep of everything that Deshaun Watson did. Yeah, He moved. We wanted to talk about it. A little right. different this year with no first, no second. And, of course, no guy like Deshaun in this mix. But your overall impressions of just taking in the entire weekend – Friday and Saturday, getting a chance to see these rookies. I know I had a couple things, and I talked to the guys on Mad Radio this morning about that. But your overall kind of takeaway from this rookie minicamp weekend.
1: Well, I think that Kiki QT just looks like he belongs. Yes. I mean, he looks like he catches the ball very well. He looked sort of veteran-like out there, I have to say. You know, he just looked like a a polished – he's a rookie, okay? And if Bill O'Brien heard me talking like this, he would say, Vandy, come on, he's a rookie. What are you talking about? (laughs) Don't fill him up with ideas. But he just has that look about him, yeah, and does. certain guys do have the look. And I remember when DeAndre Hopkins had his rookie camp, yep. he had a look about him. Uh, I'll go back to Andre Johnson. Now, Andre Johnson had a unique rookie camp because Dave Ragon was throwing him the football, and Andre had some drops, and we talked about it about this with him in studio here. I think it was last year or whatever when he first was announced as he was going into the Ring of Honor. But anyway, uh, he just had this sort of polish about him that not a lot of rookie receivers have. So I'm excited about him. Uh, Jordan Thomas, oh my gosh, is he a large individual. You've warned us, you know, you gave us that sort of, a watch out, Yeah, watch out, this guy's big, he plays wide receiver for Mississippi State, even though he's a tight end, and they want to improve his blocking skills, of course, they want him to be that kind of tight end who can also catch, and we'll see how all all that works out, I don't think they'll have any idea how he truly fits in that way until they get it to the pads at Greenbrier, but To see him running around catching the ball, that was a sight. You could just see, like, he's an impressive, imposing figure. And with the unfortunate retirement of C.J. Fedorowicz, now you have Jordan Thomas coming in, and maybe he can fill that role. And I don't know if he can fill it to the degree that Fedorowicz played in 2016, but maybe he can do something for you and has that upside where he can continue to go to trend upward, trend forward, and take it from there. Other guys that I thought were interesting, you know, Justin Reed, I thought, handled himself really well at the podium, truly professional. And I thought they all did for rookies. You know, Peter Calambayi shows no fear in the system or anything, talked about how this system is a little bit similar to what they ran at Stanford. You were echoing that uh, with me last week. So those are some things that just jumped out at me right away.
0: You know, it's interesting you brought up Jordan Thomas because that was, of all the, the groups of players and the individual players, et cetera, when I look down and, and I saw the tight ends, a, you see Giovanni Robinson. And Giovanni played basketball at NC State. Yeah. And is just kind of getting his football sea legs under him. He was with the, he's in the practice squad about halfway through last year. And so he gets an extended look. And then you throw in Jordan Akins, who's a third-round draft pick. And you throw in Jordan Thomas. And you look down there and go, that's an impressive-looking group of tight ends. Mm-hmm. And I said it that, that day. It was kind of – Tired and ornery that day, and I said, Can "We stop using the word tight end for these guys, especially right. for Jordan Akins, because I don't think he's going to be." And ironically, then they drafted a wide receiver that's going to play tight end in Jordan Thomas later on. But just the size and how they're put together to look at Jordan Thomas and go, "That dude's two seventy, two seventy-five. Wow. Yep. I mean, and, and doesn't he doesn't look like it? Nope. he doesn't look like it. I mean, he looks like those. As I said it to the guys on Mad Radio, I said." they look like a group of small forwards or small power forwards from basketball. I mean, it just yeah. was an impressive-looking lot that when you watch him catch the football and you see him run routes and you go, okay, this, this, is all, this is all starting to make some sense. If, as you said, if Jordan Thomas can learn that run block, oh, my goodness, it's going to be fun. And, and I, it's funny because I thought about this. We did a film room. Now, we did it back in January, but it was on 360 the other night. It's up, up online about Jadevian Clowney. That's going to be the best tool for Jordan Thomas is to face a guy like Clowney every day in training camp because he's so slippery. He is so difficult to get hands on and to block. Plus, he's so strong. That's the perfect guy. If you can block Clowney at all, you've got an opportunity to learn that, to block people at that position very well.
1: And if Clowney can put on his Jonathan Joseph hat, he can help coach Absolutely. the offensive player a little yep. bit. You know, Say, hey, this is how you handle somebody yes. like me a little bit better than what you're doing right now. I don't know how eager most players are to give that kind of info up, but Clowney right now is such a veteran, yeah. which is weird to say. We the still veteran. look at him as the new kid, the number one overall pick, two thousand fourteen. Two <laughs> thousand yeah, fourteen is a while ago. Yeah, all right. So that's five drafts ago. So this is a little bit of a different situation. Maybe he can help him out. But yeah, when you look at Thomas, when you some people say, "Oh, he's a project." As if that's a terrible thing. All right, so he's not coming in as the finished product. I know this. But you mentioned Giovanni Robinson. A lot of these tight ends who played basketball, you want to talk about projects. That's what they are. Now, they don't all work out clearly because it just doesn't happen that way. But when you look at Antonio Gates and Marcus Pollard and people like that who played basketball, uh, sometimes it does work out very well. And Thomas is beyond that. He's an actual football player who played wide receiver as a 270-pounder. So – you'd feel pretty good about his knowledge of football and that he can take less time to assimilate, assuming the potential and the talent are there and the work ethic is there because those are the things they can check out pretty well. And you just can't can't figure he's going to be where he is week 12 in week one or at the Greenbrier or whatever. This is going to be a process for him. Yeah,
0: there's no doubt. And, you know, I think back in the 70s and 80s when teams would have five-year plans, the – the project could extend a couple of years. But now it is, you know, you got to start to show some dividends early on. And I, and I think with this group of guys, you're going to be able to, to find it, especially at uh, especially at tight end. So uh, these rookies and first-year players will get back with the team and conditioning and then go out for the first full-team OTA, not this week, but next week. Yep. So we'll be out there on Tuesday. I believe it's May 22nd Mm -hmm. uh, to give you some of the updates from that. But don't know who's going to do what. Don't know how much we'll see of Whitney Merciless or J.J. Watt or Deshaun Watson or any of the guys that are coming off injuries. But we'll definitely see the free agents, which will be kind of fun to see them in Texas jerseys. And start to visualize what the 2018 team is going to start to look like at that point. How do you feel
1: about Watson? Bill O'Brien has previously said he's not going to do everything, but he's going to do some things. And I know you get a lot of questions about this, and so do I. I mean, everybody would love to see Watson full go in OTAs, I think, just to know that he's going to be able to be there. But I'm fine with, "Eh, just take your time here. I don't feel like this is a must that he gets out there and gets in sync right away i mean it would be nice right but i think that the knee is everything here you have to keep him healthy we all agree on this as long as he can hit the ground running the first day of training camp because i think that is important
0: that six-week ramp up to the regular season start here's what i think he can do i think he can do Mm one-on-ones i think he can do seven on seven where there is no absolutely no rush nobody will get to him in any way shape or form Where he can stand in the pocket, read, deliver. Yeah, and that's it. That's all he does. Yeah. One on ones and seven on seven. Not have to scamper away from anybody. Exactly. Because you remember, you remember last year we were watching OTAs. He would do that. He would. They would do situations and it'd be third down and he'd go scramble, make a play. Yeah. And my thought at the time was, they're doing this because our guys have to adjust this because this is going to be our this is going to be our new life going forward. Yeah. Then on third down, you better learn how to keep a play alive. Right. As a receiver. You, you need to learn how to keep yourself alive. Yeah, you're right. And so you had to get used to that. And so they would do some of that. I think after playing with him a little bit, you have some of that. But I think all team sessions need to be run. Up. Nobody needs to be even close to him. Now, if he does do some of the team sessions, then you know I just I just worry about that because you know some rookies rushing off the edge and just trying to make a you know trying to make a, a point. He's going harder than he should be, and there's no contact. But you just know when. When you're out there and you're wearing a helmet and guys are going hard, you, there's going to be some some contact, not by design, but just that's the way it's going to be. And somebody ends up at his foot, yeah. somebody ends up like, I mean, just no. So or, or I think somebody one forces him on seven.
1: Yeah, somebody forces him to jump out of the way quickly, yeah. faster than he wanted to, make some sort of cut or whatever
0: because that's the instinct. Right. Yay. Just, just be careful. Oh, no. Just be careful. Absolutely. All right, Mark, This this one, I want to talk to you about this because. You you never really gave me grief about this. But on Friday nights through the last couple of years, I would spend one segment during the season on All Access. I would I would take one segment and I would predict all the games in the NFL. Right. And I would also do it against the spread. And it, to me it was just a way to kind of talk about the game itself mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, you know, I never the Texans game I never really I never picked, but I would do all the right. others." And today the United States Supreme Court ruled in favor of the state of New Jersey yeah. as the state challenged the federal law the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act. In other words, the states are now allowed to vote on whether they can have legalized sports gambling. How? you think this impacts the nfl and when do you think we start to see an impact well you know there's gambling going on obviously there's legal
1: gambling in vegas and some other places and then there's the illegal gambling and there are you know worksheets and things like that that are sort of innocent fun and ten bucks whatever you know then you start thinking about the reporting of these things because you already have this in vegas when when you have a sporting event and there's some sort of shift in the line or something happens With an upset, and then there's a report on how much money changed hands or whatever. Or Vegas was out X on this deal. Well, that would be a lot more prevalent, wouldn't it, if you had 25 states with supported sports gambling. And you know the league doesn't want it because they don't want to be about gambling. Right. Because the worst case is it infects what's actually going on the field directly, which is a nightmare scenario for everybody. Right. It's happened in sports before. So I think when you look at it that way, it's pretty interesting to me what kind of effect it's going to have. You're going to have to monitor it very carefully. Mm-hmm. Now, it's professional sports. Players are compensated. You start wondering about officiating. And it's not just the NFL. It's all professional right. sports.
0: I mean, And college sports. Yeah, it's- and there are plenty of cost- – that's the one that I worry about because back in the day, NFL players didn't make a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if somebody from that side of life came to them and said, hey, we'll give you $15,000 000- – The number they make per year has two commas in this thing. So at that point, I don't think it's the players per se, but you bring up a great point about officiating. Those guys don't make a ton of money. Those kind of Mm -hmm. things that you're going to have to really look at. I think from our perspective, like I said, I do that segment. I talk about it it as a way of just talking about the game. Mm -hmm. But is that going to become more prevalent? Are we going to be are we going to have, you know, Brent Musburger stop doing ESPN games so he could work full time out in Las Vegas doing podcasts, talking about gambling per se. I'm curious how that's that impacts our world of reporting in media and how much gambling actually gets talked about more as opposed to, well, we didn't talk about it because it wasn't legal. But well, now it's right. legal. Are we going to talk about it? I mean, I think that's going to be a fascinating discussion over the next few years. Not just for us, but for all sports media out there. Well, you talk
1: about fantasy aspects of sports, but very often that's not great talk for the average listener. You're right. right? right. If I happen to have DeAndre Hopkins on my team, then yeah, I kind of want to know how DeAndre's going to do. But do I really – I don't know. To me, fantasy football has always been fun to do, more of a participation thing than – an observer thing. Like, I don't care what other, I don't care what your team's doing. No right. offense. Uh, unless we're, we're squared off against each other. So then you go to the gambling. It, all right. So if the Texans are nine point underdogs, the conversation is not only, can they win? How about, can they cover guys? Right. Can they cover this week? Right. Do do we become like that? I don't think so. I don't think that that's interesting enough. Right. Yeah. I think they can keep it close, but I think that sort of, and I know it's a good point. I, I know I sound double-edged here, but I think that we almost talk like that already. Sometimes, like yep. I think it's going to be a close game in the in the fourth quarter. It's a field goal game. Right. Well, if it's a seven-point margin, then you get the drift. Right. We right. think they're going to cover whoever right. the underdog is is going to cover. But we're not saying it for that reason either. Right. Gosh, Johnny, I don't have all the answers to this. I I think it can't help but bleed through in some of the conversation. At the very least, it's going to. No, it's a
0: great. It's a great comparison to fantasy football too mm-hmm. you're a- you're absolutely right because i think fantasy football has helped a lot of casual fans right get to the game and understand the game i think this this may do it for certain certain portions of fans yeah but i i Read lines and look at lines. I don't know if I'd want to listen to a gambling segment the entire, you know, uh, no. multiple segments. Well,
1: let's think about let's think about Sports Radio Six Ten. How many of those guys do gambling segments anymore? Yeah, Fifteen true. years ago, we all did gambling segments. Yeah. Everybody did. Right. Everybody did. Now you're doing one on Friday night, like not really gambling, but right. you're predicting games, which has an actual, sure. you know, the, here's the outcome of the game. Right. We used to, you know, some of the Phil Steele stuff yeah, and, and those kinds of guys. We used to talk to those guys all the time. Yeah. And I, I just don't think it's a thing anymore because, uh, you know, you have the Internet and everything. And I think opinions
0: matter more than that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, Drew Doherty stops by. We'll talk about what he saw from a certain receiver from Texas Tech this weekend at Rookie Minicamp. We're right back right here on Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio John Harris, football analyst and salary reporter, your host this evening. Joining me right now is my man, Drew Dory. What's, What's up, up, Drew? What's How up? Doing?
2: I'm great, man. Happy Mother's Day to you.
0: Happy Mother's Grated. Day to all the mothers. Gratedly. We mentioned that, Mark and I did on Monday, uh, Friday to make sure that we got it in before Mother's Day. But I want to make sure that all the mothers out there had a tremendous weekend. I know we had a pretty good weekend in the Harris household, so it was good. Good. It was good. I'm glad. glad to hear it.
2: For Doherty household? Awesome. We, um, You know, we got a baby coming May 24th. And uh, our twins are going to be five on May 29th. So I don't think my wife is going to be really in the mood to do a birthday party a few days after the baby's born. So yeah, we did it this Saturday. We did it last are Saturday, uh, like two days ago. And uh, it was good, man. Was
0: good. We we were out to dinner Saturday night. And we had just seen a movie. It's yeah. kind of interesting because we, we can go see movies together now because everybody's over 13. So we can right? see PG-13. Not that that's ever stopped so The us. four of you, the family. Yeah, the family. Okay. Oh I have two kids and we saw the Melissa McCarthy movie and it's hilarious. Yeah. I thought I thought it was. Some people are like, hey, it's just whatever. Side
2: note, just heard a really good podcast with her on it. I'd never really listened to her uh-huh. talk about herself much. Very likable lady. Who's right? she on with? Mark Marin. Oh, great. She's listen- got a great podcast. Yeah, I listened
0: just about I others. listened to the Jonah Hill podcast, this was probably two, three years maybe a while <laughs> back. And I didn't really know about it. I just started listening to it. Yeah. And I was on a long driving trip, so this is a while back, probably four or five years ago. And I listened to the whole thing. It's I was like, good. "This is fascinating."
2: He did a really good one with Drew Carey last week, and I didn't really know much about Drew Carey, mm-hmm. you know, his background. That's a fascinating dude too.
0: Mark Maron is the is the podcast equivalent of the Deep Slant interview because he gets these <laughs> he gets these people to talk about things yeah. that I only I've heard D P C do. Like D.P.'s can get players to talk about things. You
2: know what I'm going to call him? i want to call him the Babe Ruth of podcasting. Okay. I think he's the best one out there.
0: I, I do, too. I think yeah. he's very, very good. I love him. Whether it's sports or otherwise, yeah. I, it doesn't matter. He's, I think he's excellent. I think he's at his he best
2: when he has people who have been on Saturday Night Live on. because that's. Ooh, I've not heard of any of those. Yeah, oh, they're... Check about out, dude. He had
0: He had a guy... Cast
2: members, not guests. Yeah,
0: he had a guy, I'm trying to remember, Who? who... Gosh, I'm trying to remember... He had, oh, I can't remember his name now. And I listened to that podcast too, and I was like, "Man, this is really good. It needs to be on my my recurring podcast. Yeah, you should, I got to because I mostly have a few sports ones." But Mark Maron, very very good. Mm-hmm. And so Melissa McCarthy was on that podcast. She
2: was awesome, man. I just hijacked your story. No, sorry. It's,
0: no, that's totally fine. Um, but anyway, we we were out we were out to after the movie. We were out for dinner, and I happened to see a family, and they had a baby. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking. I'm glad I don't have to go through that with the with with any more. Uh-huh. Not that you know, look, if we had a baby. I mean, I would be, you know, all into it. But babies
2: I found are easier to take to a dinner at a restaurant, yeah. than where I am right now. Yeah, oh I've yeah, got no, two no, no. five-year-olds and a three-year-old. <sighs> we made the mistake of getting a corner booth, and we we were on the ends. So that meant that they three they were, were next to each in. other. It oh. was that was like. <laughs> Hey, uh, let's shake up the baking soda and the vinegar in a two-liter bottle now. Let's put the Mentos in the Diet Coke. Yeah, it was chaos, man.
0: Uh, Man, it's it was just interesting because I've always I remember when I was when the kids were growing up. I used to think because I I taught in high school for a long time, and I used to think, man, I can handle the kids that are the juniors and seniors because I can talk to them about yeah yeah yeah. you know I can talk to them. Start talking to seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds, and it's like, yeah. It's now tough. my kids are that age. They're
2: sweet, but it's just like their attention span is oh, is that of a gnat. Oh, and, it's uh, ridiculous. And we don't want to we don't want to just hand over an iP- iPad or, no. or a, a phone and have them become zombies. No. So that's a trade-off, but and they didn't hurt anything or hurt anybody. But it's just like you can't. And you're you, always
0: putting out a. There's a mild fire. Yes, you're putting out. And you're the trying to time. shovel
2: in your food as fast as you can <laughs> because you just want to. Get out of there before something gets burnt or spilt or both. I
0: you know. remember when my, when my were younger, um, I'm glad we're starting the show this way, but that's just the way <laughs> it's going to be today. Uh, when we were younger. Why
2: don't these idiots talk about football? That's why I'm listening to Texans Radio. We've
0: given you podcasts to listen to. And when, you're, when you're younger. So. When, we were, when my kids were younger, uh, one of them would fall asleep, and literally we, we, would just, uh, we would do the same thing. We would just eat really, really fast. Yeah. So, and we would kind of, because we didn't know how much how much time we'd have. It was like a ticking time bomb. Sure. It was like, how much time we have? Keep, keep. Uh, do you want to get dessert? Uh, well, he's not awake yet. Okay, come on, come on. Let's have dessert. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like okay. Now we can slow down. We're done with dinner. We can slow down a little bit because he wakes up now, it's, you know, we're good. Totally. But either way, uh, great podcast, Mark Merritt. Great podcast in the lab. Something you need to definitely listen to. Drew and I did, uh, an in the lab podcast. It's last our podcast. Week. It's our you podcast. Me, it's
2: our podcast, yeah. Every we week.
0: did, we have done this on a, a number of different things and, we like to draft things. That's it's something that I—I I don't know. That's my sickness that has worn off on everybody here. I'd love to draft things. And so last week we drafted our all-time NFL defense from players that played at Texas University.
2: And, yeah, and to be forthright about this, you and I did not come up with this on our own. It was a—it was actually a listener. Yeah, and I can't remember which one. But thank kind of you, based off guy. the
0: things that we did. Yeah, they suggested and it was like, such us. a great yeah.
2: idea. And maybe we would have meandered to that eventually, but. Yeah tremendous idea not the best texas college football defense of all time because then you got to put wilson whitley a view of h there right. but guys who made it in the nfl right. who played at a texas college because wilson whitley had a solid career in the nfl but right. he wasn't a star
0: he wasn't a bob lillier and mean joe green no yeah. and those are the guys that we drafted as defensive linemen and I mean, that's
2: and we made a huge omission that we were just really at least i was mad that I forgot to draft this guy. Yeah, I don't know that he would have been high. I mean, he, if I'd have if I'd have realized who I would have had him, I would have picked him. I, I, I mean, I would have picked him over. I, I would have picked Harvey Martin, former Dallas Cowboy, should be in their Ring of Honor. Should I be, believe, yeah. I believe he he had the the, the Cowboys sack record if they would kept sacks mm. until Demarcus Ware broke it. Maybe and he still might have it. I don't know, but he he should probably have Hall of Fame consideration too. He was he was a great defensive end,
0: co MVP of Super Bowl twelve. Along with Randy White,
2: but he played at East Texas State, and I I forgot about them. Yeah. It's Texas AM and Commerce now, and he, since he's not in the Hall of Fame, that's where I started. I I just went to the Hall of Fame website, I looked at Texas colleges, and I made, I set my draft board. That's
0: interesting how you did that because I went to drafthistory.com, dot com, uh huh, and the the shame in that is actually one of the guys that I ended up drafting, a Hall of Famer was John Randall, yeah, and it wasn't until. It wasn't until when I was doing my list and I, I, I did Daryl Green. He's Texas A&I. He's Texas A&I. Who
2: they pumped out a lot.
0: Right. And it was after that, wait, Texas A&I, wait a second. John Randall went to Texas A&I. And, yeah. and I didn't even have him on my board. And then Texas A&I got brought up as we were talking. I was like, I know what I'm doing. And it just fit perfectly because I had Mean Joe Green, so I went Mean Joe Green and John Randall. So uh, it's a fun exercise. That said, we will be doing the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Middle and of again, this week, in a day a, or two. Right. And again, it is NFL career for players that play at Texas Universities. Yeah. So even though I would love to draft our buddy Andre Ware, right. there are some pretty healthy quarterbacks that had great careers that played at Texas University
2: Or Johnny Manziel. If you're really, you really right. can't put Johnny – you could. You could make him the quarterback of your defense. You could, but, but I think, it's uh, based
0: on your NFL career yeah. after having played at Texas University. So at that point, a guy like Bobby Lane – is yeah. is huge.
2: You really kind of have to go way back for the quarterback position. I know.
0: I, know. Mm-hmm. I think quarterbacks will be tough. Running back, easy. You can go single wing. I might go single wing and have three running backs back I there. Draft, I already know my somebody's going throw. I
2: know my draft strategy. I mean, I'm not. I'm not picking a running back till late. I don't need to. Well, it's true. Unless I mean, you want to run well, like four four running back offense.
0: That, well, I might do that. Yeah. But that's that's the thing about the draft too. That's why when. I think when we look back, we're gonna, when we look back at the 2018 draft, Drew, we're going to look at the Giants taking Saquon Barkley and think, "This was a good pick. Mm-hmm. It was a really good pick. But he's the fourth or fifth highest paid running back in the league. Hasn't even. I mean, he barely set foot in the Giants' building. And I think it's yeah. for that particular reason that do you take and, – and, again, it's a running back. And, yes, I get that Saquon Barkley is special. I, I understand all of that. And see,
2: my rationale is not about was, that. It, my rationale is – there's so many great Texas running backs. Well, that's that's that, my that point, though.
0: That's my point, though. That if the Giants missed out on Saquon Barkley, they could have gotten Bradley Chubb and Nick Chubb. They could have yeah. gotten Bradley Chubb at two, and then Sony Michelle. Yeah. Well, no, Sony would have been gone by then. They could have gotten uh, you know Sony. Mich- they could have gotten Bradley Chubb and Carryon Johnson, as opposed to getting Saquon Barkley. And then really nobody that can play the Jason Pierre-Paul position, mm-hmm. which is a premium position. And because there were so many running backs in this draft that have the opportunity, I think, to be really good running backs, you could have satisfied the one position where there weren't a lot of players sure. as a, at a premium position, that being sure. pass rusher, and they chose not to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I do think that running backs have increased in value over the years. But to your point about drafting premium positions, Especially when there is a dearth of talent at that particular position, that was seemingly the draft. That will not be the case in our podcast with wow. the running backs that came from Texas universities. That's right. Wow.
2: We got lots of talent.
0: Wow. There. Now it's going to be a game of chicken. Who ends up going after the first one? But it's going to be really kind of a matter of taste mm-hmm. in some sense.
2: I know my strategy right now. I know where I'm, i know how I'm going. It's kind going like, of fun.
0: I like the. I like that you have your strategy. And
2: I, wor- I worked this out last week. That's actually a week and a half ago before we even did the defensive one. Because I was like, if I'm working on the defense, I better do the offense too. Well,
0: here's one thing to think about. We last the, the defensive side was kind of open to you three, four, four, three, 4 et cetera. Yeah, And I chose to go 4-3. I was more 4-3 as well. But how are we going to do the offense? I think we do like a fancy football offense, quarterback, running back, Two wide receivers, tight end, flex. Yep, I'm cool and with that. Flex can be cool anything. Yeah. Flex can be Eric Metcalf. It could be Eric oh. Dickerson. Eric Metcalf. Was, There's another one.
2: Eric Metcalf is the first college football player from the state of Texas. Early, just yeah, state of Texas. That I was like, this guy is awesome. I was about ten years old when yep. he started, or when he was when I kind of came to understand what was going on. Yep. And I was like, that guy is awesome, man.
0: I saw him play in college. I saw
2: him play here against Rice. I did too. Yeah, I did too. That's where I. That's where I saw him.
0: Watching him was like, whoa.
2: He was like a bead of mercury.
0: I had grown up in Wisconsin up to that point, and I moved to Texas. I had been here for maybe a year or two, Mm -hmm. and I remember the first high school game I went to was in the dome. It was Hartley Dykes in Bay City against (laughs) Thurman Thomas in Willow Ridge, and I kept saying to my dad, like, Dad, I can't find the football like it was going so fast <laughs> i had seen nothing like it like wisconsin high school football i mean no offense jj but like man i couldn't yeah. find the ball mm-hmm. and i was getting frustrated and luckily it game kind of slowed down as in time but one of my first college games was i went and saw eric metcalf against rice and i was like wow yeah this guy's fun to watch about that you
2: and i are probably in the building together
0: he's the perfect kind of flex i gotta do some studying before we you, do this yeah you better i bro. mean I, I mean i know there are a lot of names that are reverberating and, you know, shaking around up there. There's definitely a receiver that I want, kind of old school receiver that I definitely want on my list uh-huh. that I forgot that he went to, which if you hear him talk, you realize he's from Texas, but he's one of my favorites. He's one of the first receivers to ever wear a non-80s number. Actually wore it in the AFL at the start. That's where he made his name. So be on the lookout for that in the lab uh, as we go. Uh, Drew, before we get to a break, rookie mini camp. I mean, we didn't see a whole heck of a lot. Was there anything yeah. stood out to you?
2: Uh, it was just fun to see those guys out there. I thought Kiki QT, there might have been a question by some—not me, not you—but there might have been a question by some. Hey, how's this guy going to adjust to right. such a different offense? Uh, you know, the, the air raid offense is—it's interesting. It's—it's it's good for wide receivers. They've got options there, yep. and he—he he made the most of that in his time here. We heard Bill O'Brien this morning uh, say on an NFL Network uh, video how impressed he was with what QT was able to do right. here in minicamp. I mean, a lot, so much is thrown at them, so much yep. information. You know, they get there Thursday, they do physicals and stuff, and then Friday and Saturday, starting at 6 a.m., going to 10 p.m. with a pra- on-field practice in there. Yep. I mean, they are busy, and there's so much to and digest. And then again on Sunday. He came in in shape. He came in, digested all the information. He's got some hands. It tra- yeah, translated well Great to the hands. field. I can't wait to see what he does. You know, yeah. I just can't he's, wait to see what he does.
0: And people will say, "Oh, he's small. He's small. No, he's, no, not. he's not. No, he's not small. He's short, but he's not small." Well, he's he's shorter.
2: I would say he's not tall. I wouldn't say short. Yeah, okay, you know, because he's go, he's yeah. five foot ten.
0: Because people used to talk about Jaquiz Rogers he used to rankle me because they would say, "Oh, he's small. He's small." No, Jaquiz Quiz was built like a brick house. Yeah, but he used five seven uh-huh. or eight, on a good day five seven. And
2: we're kind of echoing what O'Brien said Friday when he was asked about. QT's like, well, no, he's, he's got some good size to him. Yeah, he's, he just, he he's may cut. not be the tallest guy, but he's, he's definitely – Yeah, absolutely. He's, he can, I think he can he's withstand what he's going to need to withstand.
0: If he can learn everything that he needs to in a pretty rapid fashion, mm-hmm. he's got an opportunity to be really, really good for this offense. Drew, definitely. appreciate it, my man. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. We will finish the show with D.P. City who stop by and give us her thoughts on rookie minicamp and what she saw from some rookie offensive linemen. One in particular – who hopes he delivers for the Texans. See what I did there? Coming back on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access on this wonderful Monday evening from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. John Harris alongside my good friend D.P. Sidhu. D.P., first of all, yes. happy Mother's Day, oh, a day you. late. Did you have a good weekend?
3: It's always a good weekend. I mean, we were here for Ricky Minicamp on sure. Saturday, but yesterday was really nice, relaxing. I always ask for, please, I don't want to do a single dish all day on Mother's <laughs> Day. And it's like the longest day for my kids and my husband, but that's all. I don't have to do anything, I get to do whatever I want. So. There was a lot of lounging, catching up on the DVR, had to help the kids with their homework. It's, you know, yep. finals and exams week. But other than Ugh. that, it was super, super relaxing. That's
0: what it. I I do that every day, though, helping my daughter. The homework
3: the... is there's just they, they, they like to wait till Sunday night, which drives me bananas. But the, whatever.
0: then I'm sure in your house, as as I'm in mine, I'm the math tutor in, in the house. <laughs> I'm sure that's that's probably your role as well. Well, although...
3: unfortunately, my husband is also good at math. So we fight over math and then we're like, all right. Like who, rock, gets history, rock, who gets history? Who gets English? Rock, paper, scissors for social studies, <laughs> social studies. and like reading comprehension.
0: <laughs> that's where I like. I can just say, all right, Paige, that's those, those are yours. We, we should can have, have di- those. We but... should
3: have diversified our interests better.
0: Well, I mean, at my house, I get the I get the math section, um, and so we've we've had some pretty intense algebra two, oh, oh, pretty gosh. intense algebra two sessions lately. And it's one of those things where I taught algebra two for I don't I don't know how many. Oh, years. you're
3: perfect. Then. I've
0: taught every I've taught every math, but. Some of that, some of the stuff you see, you go, "Oh my god, I forgot how to do this," and then you look at it. and uh, Oh, okay. I mean, you literally can teach yourself online now. Everything you want to know. I mean, just put it, put it in the Google. You can the Google. The Google will get it back. To I you. did
3: that yesterday because uh, it. What is the test tomorrow? It's a vocabulary vocabulary so synonyms and antonyms yeah. and you know all those things on the sat with yeah, yeah, yeah. the analogies yeah so i had to i was trying to come up with sample analogies and i was like i'll just google this yeah
0: you know everything that you possibly could want I, and
3: there's it's so easy to study now
0: i asked my daughter like where where are your notes like well I, okay forget it i'll just do it, on just look it up. and then i and then i see and go oh i remember how to do this and i was having i was having it's funny because it's been a long time since I did. It's been a long time since I taught it, and I'm trying to remember how did I teach this. What did I do to teach this? And I would see something on Google. Oh yeah, okay, I remember. And then I, then it would click in like all the different like tricks and things that I would say like, okay, if you see this, then you got to do right. this. So we had to do you a little don't need bit of that.
3: You don't need to save notebooks and notes anymore. I ah. remember for years I saved my college notes and notebooks. I and did too. Nothing.
0: No need. Don't need. No it. need. Don't need. It. Everything. We're all paperless. You Everything you need is right there on the Google. And if you googled rookie minicamp from this weekend, you would see. DB's article. Now, I know one of the articles that you wrote had to do with K.J. Malone. Very interesting position that he's in, and I I mean it figuratively and literally, because he's come here with an opportunity. I think anybody that is here in this rookie class on the offensive line have got a shot. I don't think there are a few spots up there that are locked. I don't know if positions are locked in, but I don't think the 53, who's going to be on the 53, is locked in at all. But then the position side of it is he's moving to guard after having played tackle.
3: Right. And, and you know, he to me, he looked like a guard out there on yeah, the field. He did. Maybe because he some did. of the tackles were really big, just his size and the way he's built. But, you know, I was really interested in talking to him. Obviously, we all know about his dad, Hall sure. of Fame NBA star Carl uh, Malone. And, and KJ, you know, he was obviously asked about his famous dad and what advice he gave, which I thought is going to sit really well with Bill O'Brien. <laughs> His dad's advice was just listen to the coaches, know your role, don't speak unless spoken to, respect the elders – that's exactly i yeah. mean he'll fit in just fine he
0: follows that he's good
3: he's good he's good here now obviously he's got to go out on the field and sure. show out uh, but last week we saw jeff allen went on pop right uh, you know and so that that opens up some possibilities for some of these younger right. guys whether he makes a 53 whether he doesn't who knows right. but for anybody that's an offensive lineman entering camp or rookie mini camp you've got a big opportunity and and i did think it was interesting that you know he was surprised he got an invite to the NFL combine I was reading up on him a little bit obviously he he was at LSU yep. you know he was part of a pretty strong offensive line they yep. had Leonard Fournette Darius Geis and in 2017 he had six starts at left tackle yep. then he had the knee injury but he was able to participate at the NFL combine right and he had been working out in Houston since January so you know you can make the assumption that. He said that at the combine he was asked about working out and where he was with his knee, and he said he told the Texans he'd been working out in Houston. So yeah. that obviously makes it very easy to bring a guy sure. like that here to rookie minicamp. Yep. And he said his knee's fine. He's out there. He, You know, what we were able to see of rookie minicamp, he was participating. So, you know, maybe the Texans get a steal in somebody like that. Yeah. Who knows? But it's interesting to watch, especially, you know, I really liked his, his demeanor and his yeah. persona. He was
0: very calm.
3: Very comfortable. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, these guys obviously – He's the son of, of a guy, you know, worldly famous, in Carl Malone having played for the Utah Jazz and been in the NBA for a long time. So he's been exposed to the professional spotlight. Right, right. Saw his dad go through it, and obviously when you're young and you see your dad go through it, you're very impressionable. And Oh, okay, this that's what this is. That's how you act like a professional. That's the way you're supposed to do things. And I'm sure that, obviously, Carl, I think the advice he gave him is, is definitely spot, spot on. on. Yeah. But then he goes to LSU where the spotlight is very bright. Media, obviously the state the fervor that fans have for it. So he's been through it from that perspective as well. I, I don't know how many times we've gone through the draft process at some point. You go, well, why didn't a guy like that who had starts at a left tackle right. at a place like LSU, oh, man, he got hurt six games or seven games in and then kind of goes by the wayside, kind of out of sight, out of mind. And that kind of happens for a lot of teams. And then teams are like, oh, yeah, well, then they got this guy on the board and they got that guy in. And and teams like the Texans, they get their draft boards and they have all contingencies, and they look at those players, those players that have been injured and haven't played a little bit. But sometimes those guys kind of fall off the map a little bit because you just don't know what they're going to do. And so teams are a little bit risk-aversive to say, well, look, do we want to take a shot on a guy? Do we really know how healthy he is? The medical say he's okay, but are we going to do this? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you draft somebody else, and he ends up falling through the cracks. And then he ends up being an undrafted free agent. But we've seen players go through that process before. I mean, Arian Foster, Mike Brisell, A.J. Boye, Dylan Cole. I mean, the number of players. Corey Moore is a tryout player by exactly. gosh. You can make this team going in that not only make this team, but do something great. Boye and Foster ended up being pro bowlers after being undrafted free agents. So and especially with this offensive line, and we talked about you just mentioned Jeff Allen being uh, put on Pup, and uh, don't know where that leads. My guess is that my, my ultimate guess would be that he wouldn't be back this year, but who knows. But you brought in a lot of free agents, and look, there are going to be injuries. What's going to happen? I mean, David Quesenberry had been around here for a number of years, and obviously we know his his backstory, which is absolutely unbelievable. Tremendous
3: to see where he's come from. And I was here when he was first drafted, yeah. and they had such high hopes for him.
0: Exactly, and he finally got on the field last year, but some of that had to do with some injuries up front. Uh, with some guys not playing the way that they were supposed to, and he kind of muscled his way into an opportunity and, and got himself on the field. And so for a guy like KJ Malone, obviously not having gone through what David Quessenberry can look at a guy like Quiz and go, look, that guy kind of fought through it, you know, a few uh, you know being on injured reserve right. one year and then having to go through it, uh, defeating cancer, but then getting on last year on practice squad, working his way to the 53, and then getting on the field at the end of the year. I mean, there is a roadmap for these particular offensive lineman in particular. Jared Jones Smith, I mean, you and I were talking about him, how huge humongous. he is. I remember that was the first thing you said like, who's the I huge was like, guy? He
3: is humongous and he made KJ Malone is listed at 6'4", 320. Yeah. He made him look small. Because Jared <laughs> Smith Jones is Smith is six seven, three thirty five. And I mean that it could be more than that. And long. he's
0: every part of that. His arms are he's just long. I mean he big, looks like a big tackle. human. He's yes. a big human. I remember seeing him at the combine and went, Wow. <laughs> he's really, really impressive, and which was interesting because the tackle on the other side was the guy that got more acclaim, and that was Brian O'Neill. But when you watched him, I, when I watched him, you know Brian O'Neill made my, my Harris 100. But I would watch Jared Jones Smith and go, you know, he's a he's a pretty good player on the other side. He'll probably get drafted late, you know, late day th- or on day three, and then he didn't get drafted. He ended up with Texas. I thought, you know what, he's got a pretty good opportunity. He's got a really good opportunity, and so those guys, Jared Jones Smith and K.J. Malone, undrafted guys. And then Martinez Rankin Martinez was Rankin, drafted. Yeah. So those guys all, and I would think Martinez, because he was drafted, probably has a little bit of a leg up, um, especially being the second draft pick of Brian Gaines' career. I would think he would have a leg up. But those other guys, there's plenty of opportunities this offensive line, especially the way it played last year, the injuries that that group has had. There are opportunities to make this team at that spot. There's no doubt.
3: Bill O'Brien said four new starters for the O-line. Yeah. And that could even – Be five if he decides to move around Nick Martin at center and and move him to guard. Who knows what's going to happen there?
0: Man, if I thought about this, DP, when you you say that. I, I I'm trying to think, what, 13, yeah. Going back to when you first got here. Yes. We have had a different center quarterback combination (laughs) every single year to start the year. If you think about. Different
3: starting quarterback in week one, for sure.
0: And a a different starting center. (laughs) At in twenty thirteen it was it was in twenty thirteen it was Chris Myers and Matt Schaub. In twenty fourteen it was Chris Myers and Fitzy. In twenty fifteen it was Ben Jones and Hoyer. Twenty sixteen it was Greg Mance and, and Osweiler. In twenty seventeen it was Nick Martin and Tom Savage. Savage. Oh you're right. And then this year, it'll be –
3: Watson and somebody. It'll be
0: Nick – well, is it going to be Nick? But it's going to be Watson. We know that. It'll be
3: Watson, so that's different right there.
0: Right. And so if it's Nick, at least that should be (laughs) it for the future. But that's five years of different center quarterback combinations we've had because of the injuries that have happened up front. That's amazing to think about. And by the way, Greg Mance, a guy that was also undrafted, and like KJ, he was undrafted in large part because he had an injury in the Shrine Bowl, at the Shrine Bowl, and people were like, "Well I don't know if he's going to make it back. I'm not sure." And then he did. He made it back and ended up making the squad and started for this team entirely in 2016 and started a few games last year. So a valuable member uh, to the interior offensive line going forward and Greg Mantz. So we'll see how he fits into all this, but still, I, I mean there are people that still think, "Oh, the offensive line it's, and I've seen NFL, analysts say this. Oh, the NFL offensive that, that offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL, it's one of the worst that's the case, then these guys that are coming here, Jared Jones-Smith chose to come here because he knows there's an opportunity.
3: Exactly. Without and, a doubt. And wait until OTAs and then training camp start and you get your veteran guys and your free yep. agents back here yep. and to see how it all fits together. Who knows? Maybe they can make a puzzle out of these pieces. No doubt. They're just, it's going to take some time. I yep. think in training camp, that's going to be one of the big storylines. I think so, too. What the configuration is. Usually we have like one question mark or two question marks. Either The guards are set, you know, but this year it's it's really all up in the air.
0: Yeah, I think so. I I think, ironically, I think the one position that maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm out of turn by saying this, but I think the one position that is solidified is Julio Davenport playing left tackle. I feel like that one is probably more solid – than anything else I think everything else is up in the air I think Julian is the day one left well, tackle to start he's, in a, in he's a, got
3: the most experience yes. of playing a Texans tackle than anybody else oh which gosh. is really
0: that's that's alarming. wild to think about it's
3: alarming and yet that perplexing. is wild to think about <laughs> he's
0: been here for a year
3: from Bucknell so who knew? He but, some play, these, but some of these, but some of these smaller But he can play, schools,
0: though. That's the thing. Well,
3: that's Greg Manson. And I, I remember we had this. We had an. I interviewed with him, and and I don't know if we d- were discussing this off the air or on, but we were just talking about schools like Toledo. Mm-hmm. How you know you don't really get a lot of opportunity, right. but there's a lot of talent at some of these yep. schools. No, like absolutely. Bucknell, Toledo. They just you know they don't have the big matchups and the big games, but right. you could definitely find some some talent there at those schools.
0: Talent everywhere. Just got to find it and make it NFL talent. Hopefully the Texans are able to do that. DP, appreciate you stopping by. Appreciate Drew being here. Appreciate Mark being here as well. Mostly you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.